Simple Life Together, Episode 46, The Random Show. Hi, and welcome to Simple Life Together, a podcast dedicated to leading a simpler life in the modern world. I'm Dan Hayes. And I'm Vanessa Hayes. On the last episode of the show, we challenged you to pick the top five items that you would save from your burning home. That was pretty cool, wasn't it? Yeah, we heard from a lot of you right away on that show. I got a bunch of feedback on that one, yeah. Today, we're going completely random on you. (laughs) We have a bunch of short, unrelated topics that have been simmering for a while or just been on our minds, and we figured it was time to put them out there. Yeah, so we figured that maybe a few short bursts of ideas or tips might be helpful, and... A lot of these things we've been wanting to discuss, but they aren't something that would fill our usual topic segment length. So we still wanted to get them out. So Vanessa suggested, let's do a completely random show. Yeah, why not? (laughs) And so there you got it, the random show. So the cool thing for you is you get a bunch of random tips, all solid in their own right, hopefully, but boiled down into a few simple points. It's like a potluck dinner. Or like the box of chocolates Forrest Gump had that we talked talked about about a couple couple of years. Yeah, Yeah, you never know what you're going to get. So anyway, at the end of the show, you'll have a couple of new things to think about regarding simplicity, probably a new tool or two in your toolkit. That was rough to say. Tool or two in your toolkit. (laughs) And maybe you'll even get a laugh or two out of the show. Heck, we are. Already. So, <laughs> so I guess we'll just jump right into why it. Why huh? not? I'm going to go first. What's your first random topic? My first random thing is <laughs> this. It's not the tools. It's the work. Every once in a while, I have to remind myself of a lesson that I learned a long, long time ago from my older brother, Kevin. And I think I may have mentioned before on the show that I'm from a family of seven kids. We had five boys and two girls. And my brother, Kevin, and I are the younger of the boys. He's five years older than I am. And our big job in the family, you know, family that big, everybody's got to have a job, right? Well, our big job in the wintertime, growing up in the south towns of Buffalo, New York, was, of course, shoveling snow. Go figure. So that's what we did. (laughs) So sometimes we used to have to shovel off the roof of the house so it wouldn't cave in. Seriously, after a big snowfall, you get so much snow up there, the weight would just could cave a house in. Wow. But, you know, that wasn't all the time. But we always had to shovel the driveway so our dad could get to work. And as we were doing this, Kevin always seemed to be getting a lot more done than me. Now, granted, he was five years older, sure. you know, but to me, it was all about the shovel. We had two shovels, right? You have that. We had like the long uh, push type shovel, like that plows the snow. You know what I'm talking about? I'm not sure. You're from Southern that. California. You don't know what the heck a <laughs> snow <laughs> shovel. Southern California. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but you well, know, yeah. it had the long push type shovel, and then the other one was that typical square type shovel for shoveling the snow out of the way. Okay, I'm familiar right? with that. Okay, well, it, it in the movies. <laughs> Well, it didn't matter which one that Kevin had. He always got more done than me. And I was convinced it was the shovel. And so I'd always ask him to switch. I'm like, hey, Kev, can we switch? Can I have your shovel? You got the good shovel. Can I have the good shovel? And he would always chuckle, but he always switched with me. And you know what? It didn't make one bit of difference. What my brother was teaching me was that it's not about the tools. It's about the work. Mm. All right. And occasionally, as a gadget guy... I kind of have to relearn that lesson every once in a while, right? Mm -hmm. Once it sinks in, though, I realize that what really is going on when I want that new gadget, and then I realize, no, I really don't need it. It's my big brother teaching me the lesson again. You know, 40 years later, (laughs) we're 1,600 miles apart. So I just wanted to give a shout out to my brother, Kev, and say, thanks, Kev. Oh, Kev. (laughs) 
<laughs> so maybe you can learn from my mistakes and take a lesson from my brother too. Next time you go to buy that new tool or that fancy new laptop or download the next cool app that will supposedly solve all your problems, just consider whether or not you really need a new tool or you just need to master something that you already have. You know, that's interesting because recently I think I got a comment somewhere on one of the social media sites. I don't know which one. I get lost in the, <laughs> in the mix of it. We still need to edit. <laughs> but anyway, uh, this person was asking for some advice on trying to find a program that kind of would do it all. Like gather information. You want to go digital, but gather all this information, but that would still put it into a graph format and, and do calculations and do all this work. And I just had to sit back and go, okay. And they had said that they already were using Evernote and other cloud dot, you know, storage programs or whatnot. But I was like, you know what? Maybe it's not really the next app that you need or the next program that you need. Maybe it's just analyzing what you would need those things for. Right. And what, what kind of information are you trying to gather now? Are you even gathering the information now or is that just something that you may want to do? Right. You got to really think about. That's like a, that's like Star Trek stuff, you know? I mean, <laughs> I mean, apps really? can do a lot of things, but analysis of and, and figuring out where your yeah, information is Yeah, pie charts and this and that. And I'm thinking you know, there's specialty, you know, there's special programs for each one of those things. But I just thought it was interesting yeah. that they're looking for the next thing. Like, there should be something out there that does it all. Yeah. And unfortunately, it's not the case. But maybe some simple tools, just like a spreadsheet, will be all that you really need. Yeah. It's just a matter of maybe setting up the habit and the routine of collecting that information from those other sources that you already have. Right. If it's so. a spreadsheet, we know where to send her. Yeah. <laughs> Joel Zaslowski, right. Value is Simple. He's a spreadsheet guy. But uh, yeah, until they come out with the Panacea app that solves everything, you know, I'm downloading Panacea, you know, <laughs> it's you the know awesome app. You with that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So my next one is it's natural to nest. Yes. Even for guys. Uh. But- one thing I want to hit on nesting is it can easily get out of hand and it gets to a certain point that it's just time to draw the line. So eventually, once you've nested, hmm. it's time to simplify. Hmm, I wonder where you're going with this. So, well, here's the thing. Over the years, I've spent two years living in tents, at least two years. I've lived in abandoned or bombed out buildings. Uh, I've spent about six months living in wooden huts and eight months living in a shipping container inside a warehouse. <laughs> Right? I can relate to that one. <laughs> yeah. And uh, each time, I and everybody that I lived with in these places went through a bit of a nesting phase. So you get there and, you know, you nest. So I've seen guys build complete dressers and nightstand sets out of MRE boxes, the meals ready to eat that you get when you're out in the field. Oh, my right? goodness. So really? they would take these boxes and they build these, and you know, furniture out of them. Wow. Chairs. Well, chairs usually made out of sandbags or, or pallets. But... Um, but yeah, complete dressers and nightstand sets out of MREs wow. for a place to put their stuff. I've seen people leave extra stuff at home so they could fit hanging canvas shoe organizers in their bags so they can hang up those in the tent and, and put their stuff in them. Oh, they're talking for, my language now. I get oh, that. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> and I've also seen grown men actually fight for footlockers. Oh, good heavens, really? Yeah. I mean, it's a, they're a, a rare commodity. So, and I've seen them meticulously pack their rucksacks to the point where the seams were ready to burst. Oh, yeah. And, um, just in case. I need it out in the field. You never know. Just, just in case. That's right. <laughs> and I also noticed that there was a certain hierarchy of needs that when you're out in the field that Maslow might even find puzzling, right? <laughs> and, and it differed by the job specialty that you had. But kind of in order of preference, typically with the guys I saw was this. 
your number one priority, make sure your comeback gear was organized to grab and go. In case something goes down, you want to be oh, there. Oh, yeah, it makes right? sense. And you don't want to go to war and then miss the fight, right? And then the second thing was your ruck or your backpack, your, your bags, whatever. Make sure that they were kind of organized and ready to go. And then the goal was to evolve from sleeping on the ground to sleeping off the ground, <laughs> which that sounds like... You know, I mean, not a lot of people sleep on the ground, but sometimes you could go months for, for you know, sleeping on the ground. Right. And after you were off the ground, kind of the next thing in that hierarchy was to find a spot to hang your toiletry gear, <laughs> since you use that at least once a day, hopefully, to wash your squishy parts, your dangly bits, and you wanted to make sure that it was just, it was, you know, out and there for you, and you didn't have to go digging through your rucksack for it, Right. So that was kind of the like the first thing that was out of the rucksack, and it's like, okay, I'm just going to leave this here. And then the next one, number five, is pogey bait, gee dunk, and licky chewies, right? Gee dunk? I've yeah. never heard of gee dunk. These are all terms. Well, right? I know licky chewies and pogey bait. Gee dunk is, is, a, is a marine and navy term. Oh, how do I right? not know that? I, I don't know. know. I think it's the sound it makes when you put the coins in the vending machine and the candy falls. It hits the bottom and goes, good dunk. Right? So, <laughs> you know, I don't know. But anyway. <laughs> but uh, but so, you know, once you start getting care packages from home and everything, like my dad and my mom used to send me bags of uh, pistachios and chocolates and, and uh, beef jerky like a mug. Aww. Right? And so I'd get that stuff. And it had to have a place to put that stuff so the rats wouldn't get it. Because the rat, you know, you'd be getting infested by rats and everything. Jeez. So that was number five. And then the last one I kind of hit on really is the comfort or chill gear. And um, things like music, like an MP3 player or back in the day, you know, you had a CD player, which would last about a week in the field. <laughs> Especially in the desert. The yeah. sand would get right in there. Yeah, exactly. Cards to play spades. Because, I mean, you would leave a first aid kit at home to have enough cards to play spades, right? <laughs> Books, etc. So you'd have your comfort or your chill gear out. And you would see that stuff out depending on how long it took you to get to your destination. And, you know, the immediate tactical situation. If there's a fight going on, obviously, you're not going to be playing spades until, <laughs> until it slows down a little bit. You know? but, but once everything is like everything's calm and it's just kind of day-to-day routine... You're going to see card tables build up and, you know, guys playing spades every night before they go to bed. And it was just, it's just that, you know how it is, that typical out in the field thing. So now, depending if you're like a a rear echelon guy or, you know, somebody who's not in the fight all the time, that might be your number one thing is, hey, we're there. We're there for the fight. Where's the soft ice cream machine? And let's play some spades. (laughs) Where's the AeroPress? Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) So anyway, but, you know, we've talked about this, um, about learning to embrace the suck before. And that's one of those things that you kind of had to do was learn to embrace the suck when in those situations. And I think that's a skill that honestly that everybody should be able to call on anytime they deem it necessary. Hmm. You know, get in touch with the suck, learn to embrace the suck. (laughs) And then, and then you'll be, uh, I think generally you'll be a happier person. And But like a pendulum, sometimes we overcompensate for those moments of suckage, right? And we let little things, uh, we let ourselves get too comfortable. You, you say, well, man, I deserve this comfort because things sucked for so long, I'm going to overcompensate. Oh. And as some of our parents and grandparents that uh, you know lived through the Depression, clients that you have now, mm-hmm. they saved everything because they did without. Now they overcompensate and save too much, right? right. Mm-hmm. You see that all the time. Right. They save it for just in case. And, um, and the same thing happens when we, um, every day, you know, sometimes you let yourself get too soft as, as they say, and, uh, we feather our nests a little bit too much and, um, kind of surround ourselves with the fluff and you can't do that. 
You know, you have to have room to move. You have to have margin in your where you live and in your life. And, you know, as the saying goes, if you want fluff, pet a bunny. <laughs> but you need to have some room to operate in and to move. So I, I made this one up. Here we go. You ready? Trade in just in case for Justin Huff. Just enough. enough. Just enough. Get it? Yeah. I know. It's kind of a stretch. <laughs> but it is nice to live with just enough so you don't got to haul all that stuff around. Well, it's interesting because, again, um, you know, I can relate to this one a little bit with uh, like this tendency to want to nest. Even with our daughter, she wants to bring everything she has, even if we're just going to a restaurant to eat or just going to yep. the grocery store to shop. It's like she, it's that sense of comfort. Yeah. And I get it. And I think the other thing, too, is trying to capture and savor that memory. You know, you're talking about embrace the suck. Yeah. But, um, part of that, too, is. When you do have chances, like if you're doing like, maybe not in a fighting situation, but maybe contingency operations, a deployment, uh, maybe there's some off-duty time where they can go travel. Didn't you find yourself getting like keepsake stuff? Oh, yeah, definitely. And so, because you're like, because you're going to say that, hey, I was there, I was able to buy some stuff and take that home and I'm going to use it. And I can't tell you how many camel saddles I bought <laughs> yeah. for my family. And I don't think, I mean, maybe one person has it still. Right. I mean, And, and I'm, honestly, mind. how many camels did you own at home at the time? I know, yeah. I, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> but I have to admit, the first camel I saw, I think, was in California as opposed to in the desert. When right. I, was, I was like, what is a camel doing out here? But anyway, so I just think it's interesting how you... Still, you know, that we have this tendency to nest. And I even have, I have this tendency where I still want a home base. I know that we want to travel more and especially when we get the camper trailer. And But I'm still not totally sold on uh, RVing 100%. Yeah, yeah. you know, 100%. I just want, I still want a home base somewhere. Uh, although I'm kind of warming up to the whole, ah. let's just kind of travel. Let's just get out. Let's go. We'll see. <laughs> let's go we'll see. It, I'm working so. on you a little bit there. Interesting. Yeah, good stuff. All right, what's your next one? Okay, so this is another one about communication. And I know we talked about that uh, a few episodes ago. But sometimes it helps to question your actions and reactions to accepted norms and authority. Well, let, let me rephrase that. Um, don't let fear or pride get in the way when you need clarification. Okay, mm-hmm. we'll put it that way. So a couple of episodes ago, I talked about my time as a drill instructor, right? And sometime I got to sit down and I got to write out all these stories before I lose them. I am getting older, right? You've and got I, some great stories. I know. I got I've the, got yeah. nothing. I got nothing for you, but you've got a bunch of them. <laughs> well, this one is a basic training story. And, and the, the way it goes is this. The, uh, the first few weeks that you're with your recruits, it's vital to make sure that they're catching on to... Um, all the, the fire hose of new information and tasks that you're that are being thrown at them, and so the reality is, as an instructor, you get to work around three or three fifteen in the morning, and you don't leave until around ten at night, and then Ooh. for the fir- that's for the first two or three weeks, and then you know it's constant all seven days a week, and it's a pretty grueling schedule for the first few weeks. But if you slack off during that time, it affects your team the rest of the time. All these recruits, it affects them the rest of the time. So you really got to stay on them. And during one training cycle, I had all female recruits. And one of my fellow instructors, a female, she had male recruits. So at the start of the day, um, I walked through and checked her barracks, and she walked through and checked mine. This is while they're still, the recruits are still sleeping. It's you know, 3.30 in the morning. So now my partner, she had the male, fli- uh, male f- uh, flight. Um, she wasn't even five feet tall. I bet she was about 4'10", right? <laughs> but she was mean and professional for sure. But you would not want to mess with her. She was like, she's harder than woodpecker lips, right? <laughs> and I'm just going to call her Sergeant Jules, all right? 
Sergeant Jules. So she was this little firecracker, right? So I think it was about day two of the training cycle, and these recruits were still brand new to the military. Most of them, you know, still burping up food that their mom cooked them. So they, they tend to be on a little bit on the nervous side, right? So, you know, they, got, they just got their head shaved, all their clothes taken from them. They're wearing uniforms, and they all look, you know, terrible. But uh, so anyway, I went in to check their, their, their dorm in the morning. I, I, uh, I went in, and I woke up the dorm guard. And uh, I said, dorm, uh, go kick the dorm chief's bed and wake him up. Now, the dorm chief is like the senior recruit of that team. He's still a recruit, mind you, but he's just, uh, he's just as new as all the other ones. But he's the one who's been picked to be in charge of those 60 guys, right? Mm-hmm. So usually you pick like the biggest, meanest recruit and make them the dorm chief And at first, just to make sure things don't get out of hand when you're not around. So you have this big lug. You know, keeping all these guys in check. So I would take the dorm chief around and inspect the night displays. You talk about night display stuff in your in your nightly routines, and right. that's what I do. You know, I uh, you know if I got something going on the next day, I put out my night display, right. my shirt, my pants, all that. I've trained you well. Oh, yes, oh, yes, you me. have. Aww. Yeah, I've done that. Come on. You can't back that up. So anyway, so the uniforms had to be just so. Their study materials had to be flush with the front of the chairs. Boots and shoes had to be, you know, grounded. Uh, they had to be touching at the heel and at the and at the toe to make sure that they were and grounded to the bedpost. They had to be loosely laced so it could jump right out of bed and jump into a pair of shoes, you know, in case of a fire or whatever. Grab the first five things. You know? <laughs> anyway, no, hearkening back to last episode, right? So um, anyway, well, as I'm leading the dorm chief through showing him everything that's wrong, you know, it's only their second day. Everything was screwed up. And, um, but I was showing him everything that's wrong and the few things that were right. Um, and, if, you know, got a flashlight and all the, if the trainees aren't, aren't asleep, they're pretending to be asleep because they don't want, you know, they don't want to be noticed. And um, so I noticed under every bed, there was this nastily folded duffel bag just laying on the ground underneath the bed. So 60 beds and 60 nasty duffel bags, right? All laying on, on the floor underneath these beds. So a little background here. The duffel bags are by far the hardest thing a recruit has to fold. When it's new, it's like folding up a three-foot metal spring. You know, it just has a mind of its own. But eventually, the duffel bag would end up in a perfect trifold or e-fold, we called it, and all the edges would be lined up and smooth like pages of a book. Just, matter of fact, just like the underwear that I described in a couple episodes ago, oh, you yeah. know, all neat, everything even. But to get it like that takes an awful lot of effort. And again, this is all to instill the ability to follow simple instructions and pay attention to detail and all that stuff. So to flatten out the duffel bag and to get it flat as a pancake, we used to tell the recruits to put it between their mattress and the steel springs of the metal bed and sleep on it, right? After a few weeks, it would be very flat. You could you know, get all the edges lined up and all that stuff. It was easier to work with. But it took like three weeks of sleeping on this thing. Wow. So uh, obviously something was lost in translation because all these duffel bags were on the floor, the floor. underneath yeah. the beds, right? So I said, uh, I said, dorm chief, what the blank are all these duffel bags doing on the floor <laughs> and you know he's standing at attention he's like sir recruit so and so reports is ordered sir that's where sergeant jules told us to put them and i was like sergeant jules told you to put them under the bed why would she say that uh, sir she said they would get flatter under the bed and i said i said dorm chief stand at ease for a second and look at me all right so they're not supposed to look at you looking in the eye or anything at this point in training right <laughs> i was like do you really think that putting the duffel bags on the floor under the bed is going to make it flatter. Seriously? <laughs> Don't you think it would be smarter to put it between the mattress and the spring so your weight is on it? 
Well, he thought about this for a split second, right? And I think he realized that he misunderstood Sergeant Jules, but he certainly didn't trust that I wasn't trying to trap him. <laughs> so he snapped right back to attention and said, sir, Sergeant Jules said they'd get flatter under the bed. Yes, sir. I think they're getting flatter. So, you know, he stuck with, he stuck to his guns, right? Oh my and, uh, and that, ladies and gentlemen, was one scared kid who blindly followed what he thought he heard and was afraid to ask a question. And the truth is, let's face it, we've all been that kid before. And mm-hmm. I know I certainly have lots of times. But over time, I've learned that sometimes it helps to question your actions and reactions to uh, accepted norms and authority, at least enough to ask questions for crying out loud. So I developed this technique for myself. One of my favorite phrases to use, and Vanessa, you hear me say this all the time. So anytime I need info about something out of my area expertise is this. I tell whoever I'm asking, I say, look, talk to me like I'm three. (laughs) Don't I? Even if it's a subject I do know a little bit about, I've come to the point where I don't want to blindly trust my assumptions. So I tell the salesperson or customer service rep or whoever it happens to be, hey, do me a favor. I want to make sure I completely understand you. Talk to me like I'm three. And so, and it works all it the does. time. It does. And, and here's why I think it works. It empowers that person that you want to learn from. And it gives them kind of a sense of responsibility that they're teaching you something. And I think once they have that responsibility, in my experience, they tend to be more thoughtful, Mm -hmm. right? And it also tends to break down any pretenses of prior knowledge for for both the sender and the receiver, so me and them. So there's no pretense of prior knowledge because I'm not beyond learning it from step one. That's fine. And I'm willing to challenge that law of primacy we talk about in the laws of learning. Right. And it instantly relieves me of any responsibility for that phrase, well, you should have known this. Well, I'm telling you I don't know this. Mm -hmm. So talk to me like I'm three. (laughs) So if you find yourself not having as much of a clue as you think you're supposed to have about a subject, try my talk to me like I'm three technique, and I'll bet you'll find yourself glad that you did. If nothing else, you're more likely to end up with a nice presentable duffel bag, right? Nice. <laughs> I'm surprised that's something that uh, what, Dale Carnegie, yeah. he didn't come up with. It sounds like something that he would recommend as yeah. far as how to win friends and influence people. I think so too. That's brilliant. Because yeah. I've used that technique. I've never heard that before until I met you, and it really does just break down that, you know, any kind of tension or whatnot. Yeah, it sure and does. It's just, they tend to be more helpful. It's, yeah. it's awesome. So I think that's a good one. That's one of my favorite ones to pass on is that one. And well, my last one is this. Given the option, I choose reductivity over productivity. Mm-hmm. All right. And what I mean by that is just like any other aspect of simplifying your life, first, I think, in my opinion, you need to edit. Oh, you're not going to find me arguing right? that. You don't. I mean, organization is great, mm-hmm. but you can have way too much in your life and it can be as organized as you want. So it's not simple. And I, that's what I'm bucking for is a simple life, right? Mm-hmm. So it makes no sense to organize the deck chairs on the Titanic. That ship is going down, right? (laughs) Focus on the things that need to be done and work to eliminate the unimportant. Mm -hmm. That way, your full effort goes to what is important and isn't spread out among myriad tasks, right? right? It's just, boom, you can focus. And another aspect of reductivity for me is to identify the most important tasks first. So, for example, with our new website design at simplelifetogether.com, I wanted to go back and I wanted to make some improvements to the older posts and show notes. So I wanted to do that systematically in my mind. I wanted to make them all kind of the same format. So what did I do? I started at uh, episode number 45 and I started working my way backwards. I started with the recent and was working my way back to the past. Mm -hmm. Well, when I got to number 30, I realized that it would have been 
a lot smarter and made a lot more sense for listeners or people who visit the site if I would have started with our top 10 most popular posts. Those are the top 10 that they're going to. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So why start following the number of uh, the numbers in order? Right. I should, should have started with the order which people listen to them the most. Right, right. So if right. I had to do it over again, that's how I would do it. Actually, I'm still working on it a little bit. But, you know, start with the 10 that are getting the most looks first, right? Plus, I have a widget installed on the site that tells me what the top 10 posts are. So it's not like I had to figure it out. <laughs> You know, it even displays it in the sidebar of the site. It gives you, I think I have it set to only show the top five. But, you know, so the information is there for me. Right. I don't know why. I, I just didn't think of it. So it's well, it just, just seems like for me, that would be something. It seems logical. Just because I want to check it off the list. I want to make sure it's in order. It just seems like it's easier. Right. But is that, does that really make the most sense? Exactly. Or, right. And, well, what it did was it got me wondering what else am I doing just by habit? I wonder, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know. So I'm going to try and look at things like that a little bit more. I guess, I don't know if he's, logically is the right word, but systematically. So once again, take some time to figure out what the most important or core tasks are for your big rocks. And when you can, take care of the most important stuff first. And that's it. That's all I got. That's all you got? Pretty, that's all I got. Pretty random, but pretty fun. I like your story. Very random. <laughs> I haven't heard the one about the basic training before. That was interesting. That one? About the oh, duffel bags. Man, I got, well, you know I got a few. <laughs> oh, you've got way more than just a few. So <laughs> I know that. <laughs> It, they're better after I have a beer or two. <laughs> Maybe that's part of the show. All right. So what do you got? <laughs> okay. Well, I don't have so many exciting stories, but I do have a few things that have been on my mind. Okay. And the first one is, can we change? And I'm sure you've either heard the saying or maybe even said it yourself that you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Oh, I've heard that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and then I've said it, I know, numerous times, um, you know, especially when I'm hitting a wall with, with somebody. And it's like, well, you know, you wish they would change and this and that. But, well, I've been thinking about this more and more lately, especially as we try to simplify our lives. And while we've never pretended to be minimalist, right. I am very much drawn to the idea of becoming one, yet... I don't know about you, Dan, but I feel so far away from reaching a point where I would even consider myself an aspiring minimalist even. Yeah. We definitely have simpler lives than most, I think, but uh, I'm just so far from even coming close to being a minimalist. So Yeah, you don't want to go around perpetrating like you're a minimalist, right? I think, uh, you know, but we did just edit 3,000 things from our lives this this year so far. Right, right? I forget. (laughs) And and we don't have any revolving debt now, right? That's right. We sold the land. Um, I don't think we have any clutter in the house. You still see a few areas that need to be taken care of. Mm -hmm. But we're preparing to move into 1,000 square feet or less. So, I mean, we're not doing too bad. You're right. And I I guess I... I guess I just fail to remember those things, you yeah. know, just because uh, you see that one thing and you want to change to that. But yeah. uh, I guess I feel so far away from becoming minimalist because I still struggle with fighting temptations of buying and wanting things, which caused me to wonder, have I changed at all on this journey to simplify our lives? Well, at least you're question, you question it now. Yeah. You know, and it's just, you know, I started to ponder this question more as I even started working with my clients and who are struggling with getting and staying organized. And I almost started to feel hopeless and like almost pathetic. But then I woke up from this contemplative haze and I was like, you know what? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Yes. Yes, we can change. I've done it myself and I've seen others do it too. So for example, like with my fitness, which I've talked about before in previous episodes, that was actually a lifestyle change. I forget that was a lifestyle change. It wasn't (laughs) just like this simple thing that I did. And I mean, it was for, for years, um, for about 10 years, I was, you know, overweight. And I just succumbed to, 
I, I guess at the time I thought I'm just always going to be this way. There's nothing I can do about it. But yeah. then a series of things happened and I took charge and I made a commitment to my fitness. And to this day, it's a very, very important part of my life. So that was huge. But I really had to change the way I eat, the way I saw food or I thought about food and viewed it as far as fuel as opposed to always about pleasure and stuff yeah. like that. So there's a lot of changes that you were, had to go on. You pretty you pre- covered a lot of that in an earlier episode, right? Do you yes. remember which episode that was? I'm not sure okay, exactly we'll, which we'll put one. A, we'll put a note in the show notes because that's a pretty inspiring story. Yeah. And um, so there's other things that I've done too, like my spending habits. You know, you talked about just a minute ago here about how we have gotten out of debt and things. And actually I was in the process of getting out of debt even before I met Dan because I was in debt quite a bit and but I was like oh my gosh I mean I just was following the norm of just buying stuff I had to have all this stuff I mean everybody else has it shouldn't I have this too and and then I would just charge everything out max it out and before I knew it I was just in over my head and so then I had to take charge but and you did you nailed it yeah that was and again that was huge it was you know I was seeing my finances differently and uh, you know I kind of joked like mama mama doesn't do credit anymore (laughs) and if I do I pay it off in full every (laughs) month yeah if you know no matter what the limit is on there or how much we spend, we pay our cards off in yep. full. So yes, I've had to kind of change my mentality but with that. You're right, because that takes effort. It's not just something you decide to do, well, unless you, you're wealthy monetarily. But I mean, we had to work to get to that point. Right. But it was all a matter of change and decision. It was. It, and it was, it was tough at first. Yeah. You know, it's like, okay, I want this, but you know what? What am I going to be paying for later on if I right. charge something on my card now and don't pay it off and yada, yada. So that was a huge shift for me. Um, and of course, how could I forget my road to getting organized myself? I mean, I was a mess for pretty much the first almost 10 years of my adult life. Um, and I've mentioned before that my mom jokes that I was the messiest of four kids. Now, I wasn't a slob or anything. I just had clothes and makeup everywhere kind of a thing. <laughs> but I was kind of a mess. And even as I graduated from college and became an officer and in charge of just a bunch of troops, all of whom were you know older than me, and but were looking up to me to make sure that paperwork was turned in and things like that. And if I wasn't organized, these guys would suffer in the end. So right. I was responsible to these people. So that kind of forced me to get work. So that was kind of a lifestyle change too. I couldn't just procrastinate on everything yeah. or do things on my time. I really had to hold myself accountable to take care of these folks, you yeah. know? And that's so. called growing, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. So, you know, so I kind of I realized, okay, yes, we can change. But I've also seen change in others, like folks who were drug addicts or alcoholics and then became and stayed clean. Yeah. You know, I've even seen the faithless become faithful in many different faiths. I've even seen folks switch from being selfish to selfless, devoting their lives to charities and helping others, like we've talked about Scott Harrison. Yeah, from uh, the CEO of Charity Water. Yes, yeah. I mean, he was just kind of uh, kind of an, uh, an addict and yeah. just kind of lived a self-centered life and then completely changed. Yeah, that's and a great so, example. Yeah, it's you know very admirable. And so, I mean, it's amazing the changes that he made in his life. Um, and of course, I'm reminded often by my clients and loved ones of you know our ability to change. Like when my clients send me pictures or status updates of how they are they're maintaining their organized spaces. <laughs> I love that. They're like, yep. check this out, Vanessa. I'm keeping it up. Or or when they proclaim their newfound love for their scanner <laughs> and how they've transitioned from paper to paperless, which is a major shift for most people. Yeah, we're like the e-harmony of ScanSnap. <laughs> yes, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's perfect. It's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, and I joke here, but I definitely became a believer when my mom sent her first text message and Facebook post to me. 
That was huge, coming from a woman who constantly cursed computers for years and years as a as a registered nurse. She just hated it because they were always updating. And just when she thought she figured one out, they'd bring in a new program, and she just complained and complained and complained. And now what does she have? She has her own iPhone and her own iPad. <laughs> and she's all over that bad boy. Matter of fact, she just FaceTimed me today. I wow. was like, I'm so proud of you, Mom. This is awesome. <laughs> so, so yes, we can change, but we probably don't appreciate the concept of change because it doesn't happen as often or as fast as we'd like. And so this is what I was thinking about. It's like, yeah. what is this kind of resistance to the idea that, that change is possible in us? And, um, and I think maybe one reason is because change usually takes effort. And quite honestly, it seems like mankind is totally opposed to effort. Sometimes, yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, it's like we take the path of least resistance whenever we can. It's, it's like our nature. Yeah, if we have the luxury. You know, if you're like sure. fighting for your existence, it's a little bit different. But sure. yeah, once we get in that comfort zone, kind of like I was talking about that too much fluff in our lives, yeah. you know, then we, we kind of uh, overdo it. Yeah. Well, I think another reason might be because changes that are worthwhile usually don't happen overnight. And so um, it's just that it can be discouraging because... Yeah. You know, it's like... You don't uh, see that instant transition. Right. So take simplicity, for example. Shifting from wanting more to having enough, or even better yet, wanting much less, is a huge mental shift. But that doesn't happen overnight. Right. You have to really, really work at that. Or let's say fitness. You know, starving yourself to lose 10 pounds in a week is different than slowly losing that same weight over time and keeping it off. Right. But people want that instant gratification. And so when they see that you know, tough road ahead or they just imagine how much effort it's going to take, I think sometimes they give up. But, you know, I also, you know, when I talk about things that... Can, can I interrupt for a second? Sure, sure. You know, it's uh, on the whole fitness thing and starving and all that. If you look at commercials for, for diet programs here in the States, what do they always say? Oh, this diet is great because you can still eat pizza and still eat chocolate and still lose weight. Oh, so, yeah. So it's like you can... They try to sell you on all the things that you still can do, and and I'm not, not dogging this program. It's not that hard. It's easy. Yeah, I, I'm not dogging the programs. What I am dogging is that is that people want that easy transition. Mm-hmm. It's like the anti-smoking drug, right? It's like I I started this drug to quit smoking, mm-hmm. but I can still smoke for the first week I'm taking it. It's like, well, what, what kind of message is that sending? Right, right. And um, you know, that's. Apropos of nothing, whatever, but it's <laughs> but it is. It's people want that simple, easy transition. But right? think about that simple, easy transition. Do you really feel good about it? And usually, does it last? I mean, I kind of compare it to like, and this may not be the best example, but it's just one I thought of. Is I felt more. Well, let me say, like when I graduated from high school versus uh-huh. graduating from college, those were two very different. Oh yeah changes like i okay yeah i'm a high school graduate as opposed to i'm a college graduate those are two different feelings of of pride you know i'm not dog in high school at all but i mean i had parents taking care of me and you know sure i didn't have anything to worry about except for playing sports and getting good grades i mean no big deal um so you know high school was an achievement but graduating from college and getting commissioned as an officer after working 30 hours a week completing a four-year rotc program and going to school full-time was a much bigger accomplishment for me. Yeah. So I guess my point is, is that you know, um, sometimes you don't think about that. You just see all the work ahead, and so because so it's such a big thing, you just kind of go, I just can't do it, or you right. either give up, or you just kind of are discouraged to do the work. But in the end, it's probably a lot more rewarding. Yeah, it's kind of like we've. I think we've mentioned before about lottery winners, and you know, I wouldn't even want to win the lottery just because 
you know, you didn't work for that money. And it, and if, and if I did, a lot of, most of it would go to charity and I certainly wouldn't want to change my lifestyle because mm-hmm. of it. Because most of those people who win, you know, statistically, it just aren't happy. Right. And they spend it unwisely and get themselves into trouble that they shouldn't have. And people take advantage of them. Right. And, and it's because they didn't work for it. They didn't get it gradually over time. Right. Like you said. Right. You know, I also think one of the challenges we face with change is that we fail to really properly identify the core reasons for needing to change. So again, back to the the weight, I think, because a lot of people can relate to that. Yeah. Um, wanting to lose weight to improve your health is a much different motivator than doing it because you feel pressured by, you know, a loved one or society. Right. You know, it's yeah. that uh, kind of internal, external motivators that makes a huge difference. So, so where am I going with this? Well, I think where I'm going with this is that if and when you want to change, you need to first identify the reason for wanting to change. Is it an internal or external motivator? Something that you want to do or really, really need to do? Mm-hmm. Or is it something you feel pressured to do? It's going to be a huge, it's going to make a big difference in the long run towards your success for making change. But you also need to identify if you really do need to change. Sometimes, you know, I'm of the mind that if it ain't broke, why fix it? <laughs> I yeah. mean, if something's working, do we really need to change neighborhoods if this is working for us? Do we really need to change jobs right now? Is the grass really greener, you know, kind of a sure. thing? And so, I mean, you need to kind of think about that. And the other thing that you need to do is realize that significant change takes time, effort, and commitment. Yeah, it sure and, does. Yeah, and you've got to be aware of hitting the easy button. It's not always what it's cracked up to be. Right. It sure isn't. So... Beware of the easy button. That's the next thing that I'm going to talk about. <laughs> talk about that too. Separate subject. All right. Yes, I see. Beware it all of the easy the button. Time. Yeah. Right. So I think that you know hitting the easy button. This may be why there isn't a whole lot of change going on. <laughs> because um, you know, I I think about when I hit the easy button. It's usually when I'm too tired, overwhelmed, or not looking forward to doing a task or something myself. You know, like at dinner time or. Um, maybe it's something that I have to do for work or it's a home-related task or, or chore. Or, or this sounds terrible, but when our daughter wants to play and I'm just way too tired, yeah. I'm just like, oh, really? Oh, we right all now? get that way. Yeah, I know we do, but you feel guilty about it. But So I just, I just want to hit the easy button. And I used to think that hitting the easy button was like the smart thing to do. You know, like knocking out a bunch of tasks um, with a little effort or, or like outsourcing things that I didn't want to do myself. But come to find out, I think the real reason I was hitting the easy button was was because I wasn't managing my time well or keeping my priorities in check. You know, we all get we all are guilty of that. I think from time to time. But I think the easy button's kind of tempting. I don't know. It's oh just, yeah, it is. <laughs> I mean, and honestly, don't you think that's what American consumerism is all about? Consumerism, period. It's yeah. how to make your life easy, yeah. right? I mean, I know Americans are guilty of it. I'm sure it's it's a you know a worldwide problem, but it just seems like it, that's what they're trying to sell you on. And so we're so easily drawn to things that are easy or promise to be easy, but in the end, it can be a waste of time or even detrimental to you in the long run. Um, you know. And so as I was kind of thinking about this, uh, some random easy button scenarios kind of ran through my head. Like instead of taking time to edit your possessions, you put your excess in a paid storage unit to deal with it someday. Well, that someday rarely comes, but the rental statements always do. Right. right? So, so, so you're paying for a storage unit to store right. your stuff instead of dealing with that excess now. So your stuff is in the way. You want to get rid of it, but instead of editing, doing the hard work, you just hide it. Right. Yep. So that's because that's the easy button. It's like, I don't want to have to deal with all the editing and the stress of that. And it's just a big project. And let's just hide it. Yep. Right. Let's just, let's just hide it. It's just much easier to write the check than to deal with it. 
Or here's another scenario. You know you should take care of your end-of-life documents, like your wills and your estate, but you hit the easy button and just shove everything in a drawer with no rhyme or reason, leaving it for your loved ones to deal with later. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, and we've talked about this before, too. Yep. I can't remember the episode, but I guess we'll have that in the show notes, right? <laughs> <laughs> or how about this? Caving into your children's begging and letting them eat their pudding before they eat their meat? <laughs> you got to tell that was like, I, I did, like five episodes ago. <laughs> yeah, with, oh, with Jordan, right. remember? <laughs> I had a Pink Floyd moment. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you can't, can't have any pudding if you don't eat your meat. meat? <laughs> <laughs> or like... Having your kids do the dishes or like you do it yourself. You do everything yourself without having your kids do things that they're capable of doing. And what happens is you're potentially missing out on teaching them about independence and responsibility. I'm all about teaching your kids, you know, the, it's called the gift of independence is what I call it. That's the greatest gift that I can give my children is the gift of independence. So I try to think of everything as a teaching moment. I'm not perfect at it. And there are times where I'll hit that easy button and say, just fine. Just here, just watch that movie. Because I just yeah. I don't I don't have the energy to play. Can you just can you just watch this movie? I'll order it on Netflix. I, yeah. I don't or whatever. Because <laughs> I'm even give, either giving you the gift of independence or the gift of luggage when you're 18, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, my personal easy button is going out to eat instead of planning a healthy meal, and this is usually a case of not prioritizing and just personally I get wrapped up in other tasks. So what happens is we end up eating fast food or some unhealthy meal at a Hefty price at a restaurant. You know, it's like, hey, go mom. Way to go. Way to <laughs> well, go. I have, a, I have an interim fix for this until we get better at it. And the interim fix is that if we get to the point where we don't have any plans, then we have to go eat at TDB, right? Texas Day Texas Brazil. Day, oh, my gosh. Texas Day Brazil. That's my favorite place to eat. Oh, and you eat. have to eat the salad bar. Yes. Right? If, you, if it was your responsibility to do I dinner. I see where you're going. Yeah. That's healthy salad bar, right? right. Okay, yeah. but Salad it's, is, that's what my food eats to become food. Right, I'm a meat guy. So I don't think it works that way. But whatever. No, I think it's good. I think it's good. It's uh, it'll help us learn. Yep. You know, and and it's okay. You know, the list can go on and on. Like easy loans, easy diets, easy pay, easy online degrees, on and on and on. And you know, there are certainly times when it's okay to hit the easy button, like hiring a cleaning service or a lawn service, or using online banking so you don't have to make the deposits at the bank or whatnot. Right. Um, some things really do make life a little easier, and it's usually because the cost pays in the time you can devote to do something else. Right. Yeah. So it frees paying of paying a certain price frees you up to do something where you can either make more or enjoy more or whatever. Right. right? So that's why I say beware of the easy button. And when you use it, okay? So yep. just analyze it. it. may be a good thing, but it may be a bad thing in the long run. So Sounds good. Yeah, that's a good one. So the last one I want to talk about is what an organized person is or isn't. <laughs> so someone posted a fill-in-the-blank question on Facebook the other day, and it said, an organized person is blank. Well, naturally, I had to check it out. And of course. That's, yeah, <laughs> and, that's and, like cheese in a mousetrap to you, right? <laughs> Well, you know, the most popular responses went something like this. An organized person is calm, less stress, able to multitask, a problem solver, confident. And my favorite response was someone I desperately need in my life. (laughs) (laughs) And I have to admit, I would I would agree with pretty much all of those (laughs) about an organized person. That is in general. In general, most organized people have some of those characteristics most of the time. Not all the time, but most of the time. But when I thought about asking the opposite of that question, what an organized person is not, I would expect some responses to be, well, an organized person is not late, is not stressed, messy, 
is not an adventure fiend, not a procrastinator, not very creative. Yeah, because for some reason, people equate organized as being too boring, too predictable, I guess. (laughs) Um, And an organized person is not a total mess. Okay, now, I can't say that I agree with all of those, but I think they represent some actual perceptions about organized people. Wouldn't you say that? I I, I think so, yeah. Okay, so I kind of wanted to explore that further and thought, what if you ask that question to an actual organizer? (laughs) Let's say, me. Okay. (laughs) And here's what I would say. An organized person is not perfect, is not anal retentive, well, not with everything, okay? (laughs) (laughs) They're not OCD, or at least not about everything. Um, They're not Martha Stewart. They're not boring. They're not a know-it-all. They're not a magician. They're not completely stress-free, and they're not completely fearless. Because a lot of times, folks, this happens to me a lot like with my clients, is that they think that I have the answers to everything because they see that I'm pretty calm and relatively you know, less stressed and, and that I can tackle situations that seem just so overwhelming to them but is relatively easy for me. But they don't realize that there are things that they probably can do that are incredibly difficult for me to do. Right. But they just they think that because I can handle this very difficult situation that I must be able to handle everything in my life and then I'm perfect. And, and then that's not the case. And the reason I mention this is because I think we give too much credit to being organized. And I know that sounds like heresy coming from me, but I think this idea of being organized is somehow linked to being, like I was just saying, perfect or too boring or, or too difficult to achieve, which can be such an inhibitor. You know, people think that being organized is just this, this difficult status to achieve. Um, and I've actually witnessed this with clients. One woman desperately needed help, but thought that being organized would be too orderly and inhibit her creativity and her flow and her thought flow on things. And I just thought that was kind of interesting. Um, Another fear that having too many routines might be too militant for her children. And yeah, and one thought the answer to her organizing issues was buying a bunch of plastic bins to organize everything, but only to, to give up realizing it was going to be a lot more work than she originally thought. And yet another client wanted me to organize an area that was already organized. So here's an example of someone that has this idea that organized means perfection, but there was really not much to organize. So you can see people just kind of have these struggling ideas and, and issues with wanting to be organized, but they kind of struggle with it right. for, for various reasons. So, and you know, and I think these are kind of false perceptions, um, especially about being boring, because I don't know that I'm that boring. No, I mean, I'm not, not as funny as you, on. Dan, but I'm just saying. Well, you, get, real, you know, expectations should be realistic. You know, and I'm... <laughs> you cut me off guard there. No, that was a joke grenade. Yeah. It happens a lot. Okay. But, you know, it's just, I don't think that, uh, you know, organizing or being organized, it doesn't have to be boring and it doesn't have to be super strict and it, it doesn't have to be perfect and it doesn't have to be intimidating, you know, all those things. And it's not sense. organized if it doesn't work for you, as long as, yeah, no matter how pretty it is. That's right. Well, the reality is that while being organized is definitely a good thing, we need to have a better understanding of what it is and is not. And so let's start with what it's not. It's not the answer to all your problems, I can tell you that. (laughs) It's not going to make everything in your life easier. We all struggle in different areas of our lives. It may make some things easier, but just not everything. Um, It's not an easy process and can't be achieved overnight, no matter what you see on television or in a magazine. Organization isn't going to happen overnight. You know, when you see something in pictures and magazines and so forth, one of the things I like to do is kind of go through them and and kind of pick out the things that are wrong. And how many times have you noticed in magazines or have I pointed out to you where they have this beautiful 
desk organized Mm -hmm. and it's got the computer and it's got a little printer and it's got a little scanner and all this stuff but none of those have cords cords i know there's or or the one picture in a it was an architectural an architectural magazine and it's this beautiful uh commercial uh ad for a kitchen island that has a sink on it (laughs) with no plumbing no plumbing come on people Get real. And people think that they can achieve that. Oh, it's the new drainless sink. Yeah. You know, come on. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like, it, bonkers. I it's know. like, um, it's like the airbrushing of, you know, supermodels and superstars. Yeah. And same thing. That's this unrealistic expectation that, uh, that is kind of surrounds everything nowadays. Yeah, right. It, it frustrates. It definitely frustrates me because yeah. I know that I have to try to manage my clients' expectations based on that, right. and even my own expectations and our expectations. And go, you know, that's not really reality. You know, bring yourself back down, <laughs> right? Okay. Yeah, you don't have to like tie a little label to each stem of each apple that says a tag that says apple on it. You know, <laughs> like some of these magazines have. <laughs> It's cute, but you know, come on. It's on Well, you know, organizing doesn't automatically equate to simple. Take a cruise, for example. And I don't know why I thought of a cruise. I'd love to, thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Are you inviting me? (laughs) Well, I... I guess it's because I saw a show on TV, and they were talking about these crazy cruise ships, and they but they were showing how how organized it was, but, you know, the whole boarding and unboarding, or is that really the terms? Yeah. Is it embark or disembark? I don't know if that's a proper Either term way. for a boat. Whatever. Getting on, getting off. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's a very organized process, but it isn't really simple. I mean, it takes a lot of effort to pull that off, and it takes a lot of time, especially when you're trying to get onto the ship. I mean, remember going through all the oh, all the checks and yeah, yeah, it was organized, but boy, there were some it characters didn't... in that line. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but my point is, it wasn't simple. It you know, organized doesn't always mean simple, um, and organized isn't a bunch of gadgets or apps and bins. I mean, an organized calendar doesn't mean you'll be on time to every event. An organized to-do list doesn't mean it'll all get done. And even the most organized homes, they're often still too much to even manage or care for. And I've seen it. You know, I've seen, yeah, this is an organized home, but there is still way too much to manage. So that being said, what is being organized? It's definitely more than a bunch of labeled bins, like we were just talking (laughs) about, and color-coded digital calendars. Instead of looking at the stuff, I think we should look at being organized as more of a tool for leading a simpler and potentially less stress life. To me, being organized is more of a feeling as opposed to a picture-perfect image of a space or of a person. You know, it creates a feeling of less stress, of control, of awareness, of confidence. It creates a feeling of empowerment and this ability to to problem solve. So it creates more feelings and emotions than it does a picture. A picture, yeah. you know, it's more than that. So I guess my point here is that being organized is definitely great, but that we should have a realistic idea and appreciation of what being organized is. It's not perfection. It's not always easy, and it's not the answer to everything. But it can greatly benefit you to help you live a simpler life. So. Those are just kind of things that were on my mind. Good stuff, baby. Good stuff. All right. Okay, so there you have it. Some random thoughts, tips, and stories for your simplicity journey or to simply help you navigate through life. So hopefully those are helpful for you. Now, remember, yeah, definitely (laughs) random. Some of these things we've been dying to get out, but we didn't think they needed to be the focus of a, a full topic all by themselves. And, you know, as we went through them, maybe you even were able to see yourself in a couple of these things. I know... 
we sure did. So maybe all you got out of it was a chuckle or two. Who knows? But either way, hopefully you're able to use one or two of these tips to make your journey a little bit simpler. So folks, what random tips do you have to share as you contemplate life? We always love hearing your feedback and ideas. So please feel free to share your thoughts with us in the comments at simplelifetogether.com slash 046. Okay, I think we're on to the thing segment. Thing segment, yep. So my thing was being able to share some of my kids' hard work this weekend. And they put a lot of effort into it and and a couple of big events. Sunshine, our little just-turned-six-year-old girl, decided she was going to take the training wheels off of her bike and she was going to ride it. And she did. And she did it in what? Five Five minutes. minutes. (laughs) And... I mean, it was amazing. And uh, so she was so proud of herself. And I know, Vanessa, you asked her afterwards, you know, why did you? I just said, how do you feel? She says, you "You know, mommy, I told myself that I didn't want to get frustrated and I wanted to just give it a good try. And I did. And I did it. So she was just so proud of herself. And of course, Dan was an excellent instructor. I was videotaping everything, but you made a ritual out of it. I explained the law of primacy to her and told her how (laughs) important it was for her to learn this the first time. And uh, anyway, and then, and then the boy, his band did a phenomenal job. He's in the the band. He's a tuba player. I told him chicks dig the tuba, you know, so he took up the tuba and um, the band got perfect scores over the weekend and an evaluation for uh, the whole state. I forget what it's called. It's called UIL, but that stands for University Interscholastic League, I think. Yeah, I can't remember. So, uh, you know, I think I'll put a a copy of the um, YouTube video in the show notes just in case some one person out there is interested. But then one of the judges from the University of Texas did a like a 10-minute review, uh, audio review. He recorded himself uh, as he evaluated their um And he was at a loss for words. And he was at a loss for words. It was so awesome. I just felt so proud for all the kids in the band and how much work they put into it. They and are phenomenal. The I look forward to the football games mostly to see the band. Of course, our son's in it, but and the football game's fine, but... The bands are phenomenal. So so. that was my simple joy, my simple thing for the week. Well, that's nice. Well, my thing was looks can be deceiving. We just discovered a little hole in the wall restaurant, a little kind of like diner. It's a Mexican diner, but it has American food in there too, a mix of, of, you know, diner food that they, and they serve breakfast all day long. And I was just, we were so pumped because sometimes we're like, well, we don't want to go to these other chain restaurants or they're out of the way and or they're overpriced but or they we, don't serve breakfast or they don't serve breakfast the time, yeah stop right at 10 o'clock guy. and so it was really cool to find this place it's been here for years and it's only a mile down the road we had breakfast there it wasn't the easy button we planned <laughs> it so uh, but it was it was fantastic it was a cute little restaurant yeah it doesn't look all that great from the outside but sometimes you don't need all that fancy stuff that those looks can be deceiving so um anyway that is my thing remember if you have questions or comments you can always reach us at dan at simplelifetogether.com and at daniel hayes on twitter or vanessa at simplelifetogether.com and at get simplified on twitter and there are links to our google plus profiles on the website and folks we are going to go through a feedback segment but you know what we ran a little bit long on all these random thoughts So we will be sure to cover some feedback in an up-and-coming episode very very shortly. So thank you, Bill, for everybody who took the time to leave us a a review on iTunes. It helps so much. It sure does. We definitely appreciate it. And like Dan said, we'll hit that up on the next show. 
So, okay, that's it for episode 46 of Simple Life Together. So today was the random show. We talked about a lot of short topics that impact us that we wanted to share with you, too. So my thing was sharing our kids' hard work, and Vanessa's thing was looks could be deceiving. As usual, you can find all the links and info from today's show at simplelifetogether.com slash 046. So let us know what you think of the show and how you're simplifying your life, too. We'd love to hear from you. So until next time, we hope you enjoy your simple life together.